what supplements do vegans need to take? Great question. Uh, there's really one that's at the top of the list, and that's vitamin B12. I would really, really, really encourage you to go to the store, health food store, drug store, pick up a bottle of B12, get the smallest one they sell, and that'll have you covered. Vitamin D is often used as a supplement for people who don't get enough sun on their skin. Sunlight on the skin makes vitamin D, and it helps you absorb calcium from the foods that you eat. But if you're living in a cold place or, or using sunscreen all the time, you're not making the vitamin D you need. So vitamin D supplement will have you covered. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us. This is episode 41 from season four, number 236 overall. And I want to start today by saying hi to Jana, who's listening to the podcast out in California. She's listening while out on her walk. So Jana, thank you so very much for letting us take a walk with you. Now, here's some scoop for everyone. This is where I want to start today. Did you know that Americans will spend more than $36 billion on supplements this year alone? That's $36 billion with a B. That is big business. But do you still need to drop big money if you're making big changes to your diet? That is what we will discover on the show today. What supplements do vegans need to take? And answering that question for us today is Dr. Neil Barnard. He joined me recently to open up the doctor's mailbag on the exam room live. Now, also, we will be raising your health IQ with a lot of other great questions that were sent in, like, can carbs raise cholesterol? And then can you lower cholesterol by eliminating plant foods like nuts and avocados? We also have questions about lowering blood pressure and omega-3s and fish and a really unique question about olive oil and cell health that you're going to want to hear. But before we open up the doctor's mailbag, I wanted to let you know that today's episode of The Exam Room is sponsored by the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund, supporting organizations like the Physicians Committee that carry on Greg's love for animals by promoting plant-based health and working to end animal abuse. You can visit the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund online at GregoryRyderFund.org. That's Gregory Ryder, R-E-I-T-E-R, Fund.org. Let's go ahead and open up that doctor's mailbag and welcome Dr. Neil Barnard to the show to help us raise our health IQs. Dr. Barnard, thanks for being here, my friend. Hi there, Chuck. Great to see you. Let's get right in there, my friend. The first question in the mailbag today comes to us from somebody who is brand new to eating a plant-based diet, and they want to know straight up, what supplements do vegans need to take? Great question. Uh, there's really one that's at the top of the list, and that's vitamin B12. And you need it for healthy nerves and you need it for healthy blood. The amount you need is really tiny. It's 2.4 micrograms, not grams, not even milligrams, just micrograms. It's very small. Um, it's in every multiple vitamin that you ever took, but it's also just sold by itself. And I would uh, really, really, really encourage you to go to the store, health food store, drug store, pick up a, bo a bottle of B12, get the smallest one they sell. Because again, you only need 2.4 micrograms. And that'll have you covered. Um, that's really the one that's essential. Vitamin D 
uh, is often used as a supplement for people who don't get enough sun on their skin. Sunlight on the skin makes vitamin D and it helps you absorb calcium from the foods that you eat. But if you're living in a, a cold place or, or using sunscreen all the time, you're not making the vitamin D you need. So vitamin D supplement will have you covered. Most doctors will prescribe about 2000 IUs a day. And you can get that at any, any health food store, any, any drug store. Uh, a third one, also not required, but one to think about, and that's iodine. And, and by the way, the, the, the vitamin D and the iodine are not just for people following a vegan diet, they're for anybody. Anybody who is missing sun, should be thinking about uh, vitamin D. And iodine is something that people should think about because of their thyroid. Don't just run to the store and get iodine because if you get too much, you can run into trouble. But your doctor can easily check your thyroid. If you're low in energy, sluggish, gaining weight for unsure reasons, um, a a check of your thyroid is a good thing. And many doctors will discover that a person needs a little extra iodine in their diet. And that's an easy supplement to take. So those are my top three. And when it comes to vitamin D and the sun, is that to say that you need to spend hours working on your tan every day? <laughs> Hopefully not, because you'll end up with a melanoma. Um, no, you don't. Uh, what you need is rough. The amounts differ a little bit depending on who you are. Um, but the roughly 20 minutes on your face and, and arms is it. But if you slather sunscreen uh, on yourself, that blocks the effect. So it doesn't work there. It can be on any part of your body. You're lying on your stomach and your back's getting uh, a little sun exposure. That'll work too. All right. Next question uh, comes to us from Janice. Wants to know: Can carbs raise triglyceride levels? Um, some can. Um, sh- uh, sugar, which is the simple simplest carbohydrate, can raise triglycerides, and so can um, overly refined grains, um, white bread, that kind of thing. What's happening is you eat this sugar or simple carbohydrate. Your body might absorb it faster than it would a complex carbohydrate or a food with lots of the natural fiber in it. If it's rushing into your blood faster than your body can use it, it's going to convert some of it into fat. And so that becomes triglyceride. That's what triglycerides are, blood fats. Now, this doesn't mean that you should be eating Velveeta instead because the the fatty foods are already fat. And um, that's a, a bigger issue. So carbs in general are a good thing. But you want to, to choose those that are in their most natural form, beans, root vegetables, whole grains that still have the fiber attached. Those are your better choices. Well, let's stick with cholesterol here for a second. We'll take a question from Debbie, who's wondering whether cutting avocado and nuts and foods like that out of her plant-based diet, would that also help to lower her cholesterol? It can marginally, yes. Um, the, the big thing is if you're already thinking about avoiding animal products, that is the best step that you can take because animal products have cholesterol in them. It's something about animal biology where animals put cholesterol into the membranes of every cell. So if a person eats animal muscle, which is what we call meat, um, they're going to be getting cholesterol and they're going to get cholesterol in dairy products and a huge amount in eggs. If you're not eating animal products, that's all gone. What's also gone is the animal fat, which is super high in the saturated fat that triggers the cholesterol machinery in your body, causes you to make more. So avoiding animal products is good. Um, and if you, if you get that far, that's great. Nuts and avocados, uh, they have a fair amount of fat in them. They've got a lot of fat in them. But the portion of that fat that's the saturated fat is much lower 
than in animal products. Even so, if you got a high cholesterol, what I would suggest is, is even skip the nuts and the avocados for a little while and see if your cholesterol doesn't count, come down even further than it did by avoiding animal products alone. Now, somebody on Twitter is wondering about carbs and weight loss. They say that they're transitioning to a plant-based diet and they're worried about eating carbs. They say that some people say carbs and weight loss go together like peas and carrots. Other people say they go together about as well as oil and water. Dr. Barnard, they're curious where you weigh in on carbs and weight loss. Uh, This will be on the test. Carbohydrate has four calories per gram. So whether it's carbohydrate from bread or from a potato or even pure sugar, it's only got four calories per gram. That's low. Um, fats have nine. Chicken fat, beef fat, even, even oils, really. They have nine calories per gram. So carbohydrates are not really fattening. Um, where they become fattening is if you get a um, muffin recipe, and you put in some flour and sugar, that's the carbs. But the recipe also calls for butter or oil or shortening or something like that. And that's really where the the calories really pack in. No, I wouldn't avoid carbs. Um, I would eat more of the healthy carbs, Uh, rice, beans, uh, root vegetables. Think about Japan back in, oh, the 1960s or 70s. They they had a rice-based diet. Uh, Healthiest, skinniest, longest-lived people on the planet. And once uh, westernization caused cheese and meat to take the place of rice, they started gaining weight. So no car- carbohydrate is, 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 is healthy, and you want to obviously choose the healthiest forms. Uh, let's stick with that rice here. You mentioned that, and we have a question from Johnny who says that he's read conflicting reports about the dangers of arsenic and brown rice. Wants to know what have you heard, Dr. Barnard? The, uh, arsenic is an element. It's in the earth, and so you have a rice paddy. Um, or, or grow anything on the earth, uh, traces of, of arsenic can get into grains or, or anything. Um, and with rice, there's more of it than with others, uh, other grains because of the way it's, it's produced. That said, um, the arsenic, it's only a trace. It's a very small amount. I suspect it, one would consider it really um, of trivial importance. The, the reason I say that is, oh, I think it was back 2016, if I'm remembering correctly, um, two big Harvard cohorts put all their research participants together and they looked at how much rice they ate. And and the concern was that this um, carcinogenic uh, arsenic will will cause cancer. And the short answer is it it just didn't. Um, There wasn't any association between how much rice people ate and whether they they developed um, cancer. It just just doesn't happen. Um, So I think the safest thing or, or the the most reasonable thing is to not worry too much about it. But if you do want to take some extra steps, um, the, the, the arsenic tends to be in the bran coating. So brown rice has more of it than white rice. So if you choose white rice, um, basmati rice, um, uh, jasmine rice, those are going to be your lower forms, especially if you got it from India or Pakistan or Nepal, the, the Himalayan region. They've just got the cleanest rice there is. And finally, if you want to soak it, the, some of the arsenic gets into the water. And if you want to cook it with extra water and pour that extra cooking water off at the end, um, rather than waiting for all the water to be absorbed, that reduces the arsenic further. All right, let's go back to cholesterol. We have a lot of cholesterol questions here today. This one comes to us from Patricia. Wants to know, is it possible for your cholesterol levels to be too low? 
Uh, no. Um, great question. Um, where this comes up is you got a blood test. And the blood test says your cholesterol is, I'm going to make it up, it's 170. And it'll say then, what's the norm? And it'll say the norm is between 130 and 240 or something like that. And you think, gee, you know, I, 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 my cholesterol is, is pretty close to the low end. Maybe I need to eat something to add more cholesterol to my diet. Um, the, the answer is no. Those norms are just picked to show where the population tends to fall. Um, if you have a total cholesterol of 100 or 110 or something, that's really low by American standards. Not shockingly low if you lived in rural China eating rice and tofu. Um, so, no, you're, you're perfectly fine. The, the only exception is there are some rare syndromes where a person is very, very ill and their liver is kind of on its last legs and they're just not able to make cholesterol anymore. In that case, you got a low cholesterol, but you know that it's, it's because you're just very ill. Let's go from low cholesterol to maybe even low sodium. This question comes to us from Bonnie, wants to know, can our bodies get low on sodium when we eat a plant-based diet? Uh, it's a challenge. You're going to have to work at it. Uh, you do need some sodium in your diet. You need it for nerve transmission. You, you know, sodium is an electrolyte along with potassium, you need a little bit. Um, the amount you need, according to nutrition authorities, is 1,500 milligrams a day. But uh, if you go too much above that, it'll raise your blood pressure for a lot of people. So they'll say, well, keep it between maybe 1,500 and, say, 2,300. Stay in there. Uh, most Americans are closer to maybe 4,000. So, so we're over, but not by an enormous amount. Um, plants in their natural state have almost no sodium, but fruits, beans, um, grains, they really don't have much sodium at all. Vegetables have some. And if you add a little bit of sodium here or there um, in your cooking or whatever, you're going to easily get the, the sodium that you need. Uh, let's uh, stick with the blood pressure there. So you mentioned that sodium there, obviously a big contributor when mm -hmm. it comes to blood pressure, but let's explore that a little bit further with the question from a viewer on Instagram wants to know how else can I lower my blood pressure? Uh, great question. Cause you can lower sodium and that won't bring your blood pressure down humongously. It, it'll bring it down some, but you do want to go further. Um, let's bring in another concept that's called blood viscosity. Um, some, uh, oils are high viscosity. That means high thickness. They're, they're more like tar. A low viscosity is more like water. Um, your blood is like that too. Your blood can be more viscous. It can be thicker. Um, and if it's thicker, it's harder for your heart to push it. You need more blood pressure to move it along. Um, what's going to do that? Well, let's say for lunch, I had an apple. Not much fat in there. Just some natural sugars and, and healthy stuff. It doesn't make my blood more viscous. But instead, I had a Velveeta sandwich um, with pastrami or bologna or something. There's a lot of saturated fat in there. It's sort of the equivalent of eating Crisco. And your blood becomes measurably thicker. Researchers have taken blood samples after people eat different things. And they show that after eating these fatty meals, your blood actually becomes viscous. And that will raise your blood pressure too. So what do you do? You take those foods out. Uh, a plant-based diet, grains, beans, vegetables, fruits, keep the oils really low. No coconut oil, please. No palm oil ever. Um, that's going to lower your blood viscosity and that'll bring your blood pressure down too. Uh, finally, don't forget your exercise. Uh, exercising is great for you in every possible way. And one thing it also does is bring your blood pressure down. 
So you mentioned keeping oils low, but we have a really interesting question this week from someone on Twitter who sent me a message and said, I was told that we need to eat oils in order for our cells to healthfully build cell walls. Is this true? Um, it'd be true if you were an asparagus plant. Um, luckily, you are a mammal and mammals don't have cell walls, um, but what they do have are membranes. And um, you do have tiny traces of cholesterol in your cell membranes, actually. Um, but your liver makes all that you need and it, you need just a tiny trace of it. Now, with regard to oils, what you're probably thinking of is that there are actually two oils, alpha-linolenic acid and linoleic acid, that your body actually does need. It does have to come from diet. But uh, you don't need a lot of greasy stuff. Um, what you need is, first of all, vegetables. Green vegetables, you wouldn't think of them as having any fat in them, would you? But they do. They've, they've got, uh, on a per calorie basis, a surprisingly large amount of alpha-linolenic acid, which is great. And linoleic acid is in lots and lots and lots of foods. You don't have to go looking for it. It'll find you. Um, where people run into trouble is thinking they need to add extra fats. And so they might add dairy fat, which has saturated fat. In it. That's, you don't need that, that fat. Um, or they'll have coconut oil or palm oil, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, they're high in saturated fat. Yeah, but what you need is uh, are these essential fats, um, ALA and LA. And you'll get them naturally in uh, the vegetables, also some in beans. If you want, you can do chia seeds and flax seeds, grind them up, um, add them to your morning smoothie, but you don't necessarily have to do that. Follow up to our supplement conversation a little bit earlier. This is a question from Nawa, sent this in at 1216, wants to know, is it okay to cut vitamin B12 tablets into smaller pieces if the dosage is more than we need in a day? Aren't you good? Yes, you sure can do that. Um, because as I mentioned earlier, you only need 2.4 micrograms and you went to the store and the smallest one they're selling is 5,000. Um, that's really more like a medication than a vitamin. Um, so yeah, if you want to take it every other day or you want to cut it in half, you can do that. Let's talk about iron absorption. We have a question from Kira who has iron deficiency anemia is wondering how they can increase iron absorption. Uh, great question. Um, first of all, um, I'm, I'm sure you're seeing your doctor. If you're not, please do, because your doctor first and very rightly wants to know why are you low in iron? Does this mean you're bleeding somewhere? And so in the back of your doctor's mind is, I hope you don't have colorectal cancer or something like that. So your doctor's going to have this discussion with you to make sure you're not bleeding. Um, if you're just low for some reason, um, then you'll, you will want to make sure you have iron in your diet, green leafy vegetables, great source. Um, the more you have, the better. Um, some people kind of give the 1950s um, prescription, which is have some liver or have some red meat. And the problem is that a lot of bad stuff comes along with the iron. You, you get saturated fat and cholesterol and, and, and quite often people end up with too much iron. So, so don't, you don't want to go that route. Um, last thing, when you're having, say, your green vegetables, have something that's got vitamin C in it along with that meal. Because I'm, um, lemon juice on your, on your um, spinach, for example, that facilitates the iron absorption. Another follow-up to the B12 conversation here. Boy, this is a talker today. Uh, Queen Logic at 1220. Should I be taking B12 if I'm pregnant? Yes, absolutely. Um, you're taking it and your, your growing baby is taking it. Um, you, you need B12 in your diet. And, and what we always talk about this for people following a vegan diet. It's essential, not, not negotiable. Um, take it before you're pregnant. 
Take it when you're not pregnant, take it during pregnancy, take it during breastfeeding. You and your baby absolutely need it. Um, but I, rec- I recommend that everybody take B12 regardless of diet. And why is that? Because a lot of people are low and they're not all, all following a vegan diet. Um, for many people, they're not producing enough stomach acid to pull the B12 out of, say, for example, meat protein has some B12 attached to it. Um, if you don't have enough stomach acid, you can't absorb that very well. Um, if you're on an acid blocker, if you're over about age 55, your absorption is reduced. And for anyone with diabetes, if you're taking your metformin medication, that interferes with B12 absorption. So B12 uh, supplements in fairly low doses, like 100 micrograms a day, good for everybody. All right. Let's take a question now from Will. He writes, fish is widely regarded as a health food because of omega-3s and other nutrients. So why should we avoid eating it? Um, lots of reasons. The, the health reasons are that most of the fat in fish isn't omega-3 at all. Um, there are traces of omega-3, but let's say you get your Chinook salmon and you're proud of yourself because it's the fatty fish that you know has good fats in it and so forth. And it does have some omega-3 and it sure does. However, the cholesterol content of it is about identical to beef. And so is the saturated fat content. That's the bad fat that raises cholesterol that's, that's linked to Alzheimer's. So you don't want that source. You do need omega-3, but we talked earlier about the healthiest sources. Uh, if you decide you just really want a big, big dose of omega-3 um, and you went to the store and they're selling fish oil capsules, um, the active ingredients are DHA and EPA, and you can get vegan DHA and EPA without the fish at all. Um, just go online and put in vegan uh, EPA, vegan DHA, and you'll see it. Um, it's it's um, controversial whether you should actually take it or not. You may well not need it. A lot of the health claims have really crashed and burned. Um, studies are now showing that that men who supplement with these things or have high blood levels of them uh, might end up with high risk of prostate cancer. So stay tuned. The science is, is still not really there with regard to pushing these supplements. And Dr. Bernard, you and I actually recently had an opportunity to kind of go behind the scenes of that new Netflix documentary, Seaspiracy, when we had a discussion with Kip Anderson. And that was a member exclusive, which I can now happily say uh, we have just made that available to all Exam Room podcast subscribers as of today. So if you head over to Apple Podcast or Spotify, you look for the Exam Room podcast by the Physicians Committee, hit that subscribe button. That is the bonus episode that we just released hours ago. Dr. Barnard, it's your and my discussion with Kip Anderson, who's the executive producer and the man behind What the Health and Cowspiracy. And just what a conversation this was. So eye opening. I'm so glad that you mentioned that, Chuck. Um, eye opening in many ways. Um, the health aspects are one. Um, that movie really jumps into the environmental aspects that when people choose to eat fish, they're supporting an industry that has a surprisingly strong and, and strongly negative. Uh, environmental impact, which which for many people was a super eye opener. Oh, tremendous eye opener! Especially the the talk in there, just also about the dolphin safe labels uh, with with tuna and how that's kind of um, a marketing gimmick, uh, for lack of a better word. And I'm not even sure that there is a different term to put that in there. The just the research uh, that they were able to do as a team, Kip's team, was just absolutely second to none. So please go ahead and check out that interview. 
over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your shows. And we're also going to put that up for you on YouTube and Facebook tomorrow. Uh, but Dr. Barnard, sticking with fish here, fish is also widely regarded as a brain food. We have somebody else on Instagram who wrote in, well, if you take fish out of the equation, what are some other great foods to boost brain health? Okay, well, we've mentioned them already, but let's put them back in focus. Um, I mentioned earlier that you there are certain essential uh, fatty acids. Alpha-linolenic acid is one of them. That's an omega-3. And your body takes that and it converts it through. There, there are enzymes in your body. They take that short chain, shorter chain omega-3 and lengthen it into the DHA, exactly the thing that you're buying fish oil for, but your body actually makes it from the ALA that's in in vegetables and in chia and in flax seeds and that kind of thing. Um, those uh, enzymes are easily goofed up. If you decide to eat a lot of other fats that compete with the good fats, then, then that's not good. So keep your other fats low, but have plenty of vegetables and so forth. If you wish to supplement with DHA and EPA, you can, but I mentioned the caveats, of, caveats about that earlier. Here's an interesting one from someone watching us right now on YouTube. Wants to know, what are lectins and are they bad for you? Uh, lectins are kind of an overhyped thing. I got to tell you, uh, beans have lectins in them. These are our constituents of the, of the, of the, the food product. Um, they're natural. They're in there. It's not a chemical sprayed on by Monsanto. The, the plant makes it when you cook them, they're pretty much neutralized and there's just not a big issue, but there are some people out there trying to make a big hoo-ha about I wouldn't eat beans and I wouldn't eat this, I wouldn't eat that because of these lectins that are really just cooked away. So, no, I, I wouldn't worry about them at all. And, and they, they should not be used as a reason to avoid the, the healthy beans that our grandparents knew about. But for some reason, the current generations have kind of forgotten about. We've talked about how plant-based diet, cleaning uh, cleaning up your diet, going to a plant-based diet can help to lower cholesterol here. But we have a, a question here from someone who writes, if my cholesterol is extremely high, should I expect it to take longer as well for my other health markers like blood sugar to come under control after I begin eating that low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet? Um, the, the high cholesterol level is going to come down independently from your blood sugar and your blood pressure and the other things. Um, if you're in that situation, though, make sure you see your doctor. Talk with your doctor because um, you may need medication. You may, you may need other things, too. And this is not something to trifle with. OK, so see your doctor. Do change your diet. Do it right away. And the suggestion I would have for you um, is to avoid all animal products. Keep oils really low. And do this just like the diet is a medicine. Don't mess it up. Do it exactly. No animal products at all. Keep oils really low. Um, within eight weeks or so, your cholesterol should have come down a lot. If it did not, you're going to have a serious discussion with your doctor about statins and whether or not they are advisable for you. Um, but will will the high cholesterol slow down your um, the change in your blood pressure? No. Uh-uh. Um, all of these things are going to improve at the same time. All right. Johnny is the number one fan of what is the number one food for a lot of vegans. Johnny writes, I absolutely love nutritional yeast so much (laughs) that it's practically its own food group. But Johnny's also wondering how much nooch is too much nooch. Okay. Nutritional yeast is fine. I wouldn't worry about it. Um, it's a beautiful flavoring, but, but the most important thing is for people who don't know what it is to, to know about it. Um, the person who decided I want to follow a vegan diet because it's better for animals. It's better for the environment. It's going to help my coronary arteries. You know, all that is true, but their, their, their big love is cheese pizza. So they take the cheese off. 
they add extra sauce and they take this nutritional yeast and sprinkle it in and suddenly it tastes just like cheese. So you can do that and see what happens. By the way, this is not baker's yeast. This is not brewer's yeast. It's specifically nutritional yeast, bright yellow, um, often vitamin B12 fortified as well, um, but have at it. This was a really great question from somebody who uh, sent me a DM on Twitter, and it, it made me smile in all honesty. Uh, they write, if we stop eating animals and these animals keep reproducing, where do they go to live? Won't they reproduce and take over our living areas since we're vegan now and no longer killing them? Yes, they're all going to move into retirement communities near, nearby, and you can go volunteer, perhaps sing a song for them at, at lunchtime. Um, chickens live six weeks. Um, on a typical chicken operation. Um, they are boxed up cruelly and sent off to the market and then new group of, of chicks takes their place. If you decide you're going to be vegan and you're not going to be eating them anymore um, and they can't sell them, then they are going to stop bringing them in. And that's true of all livestock. So as the demand falls, um, the production will fall. They, um, they're not reproducing on their own. They're reproducing as part of a part of a, a massive industry. So uh, luckily, um, people are understanding plant-based diets. They're moving in this direction. And um, as the population of, of cows and pigs and chickens diminishes, the environmental damage that these industries are doing will diminish as well. Retirement community. <laughs> that, that made me laugh. Okay. Uh, oh, here's a really interesting question from Courtney. She writes, I've had hormonal acne since I stopped breastfeeding four months ago. Nothing was helping, though, until I was giving a topical antibiotic cream. She wants to know, though, will this mess up her gut flora the way she suspects other antibiotics would? If it's topical, no. Um, and it's okay to take it. Um, if, if I understand right, it's, it's, it's something you're putting on externally as opposed to swallowing. Um, you can go ahead and do that. That should be perfectly fine. Um, what's happened to you is that your hormones have just come off a humongous roller coaster from pregnancy to delivery to breastfeeding. Yes. Um, all of these things affect your hormones and then you stop breastfeeding. Um, it's going to take, you, you will get back to your equilibrium, um, but it takes a surprisingly long period of time. If you want to use a topical during that time, you certainly can. Doctors have all kinds of other things that they recommend. There are oral medications. Sometimes they'll suggest the birth control pills, all kinds of other stuff. Um, but I would, um, number one, give it time. Number two, give your skin a really good diet. On, on this very show, Chuck, I am sure you've had Nina and Randa Nelson on to talk about their uh, really amazing journey from pretty bad acne, um, acne that really troubled them, to finding that a plant-based diet, super low in oil, was just this wonderful, healthy solution, not just to good health, but to, to their skin too. Uh, those the before and after pictures that Nina and Randa have shared are just uh, they just tell a heck of a story. Um, let's take a, a really good question here from Mira. We were talking earlier about oil, and so Mira is a mother. She has a question: Is the palm oil in peanut butter bad? She's concerned about giving that to her children. Yes, it is bad. Um, somebody somewhere has got a big chunk of turf where they are raising palm trees and they are selling palm oil, um, coconut oil, same story. And they make up a lot of mythology that it's healthy and it's natural. Here's the problem with those oils. Um, all fats are mixtures. They have traces of saturated fat in the oil along with other kinds of fats. Then you mix it all together and you get the oil. The saturated fat is the one that raises your cholesterol 
and it is associated with a higher risk of Alzheimer's disease, among other problems. Most vegetable oils are really low in saturated fat. Palm oil and coconut oil are exceptions. They're high in saturated fat. Coconut's the worst. Palm oil is, uh, comes in second. I would skip them completely. And, and you've got, as a mom, you've got exactly the challenge that so many people have, is they discovered that the peanut butter used to be peanuts. And now they're putting palm oil and all kinds of stuff in it that you really don't need. And it's invading a lot of, a lot of products. But I would read labels on and choose the ones that don't have that. All right, let's go ahead and grab a couple of more questions here before we seal up the doctor's mailbag for the day. This one comes to us from Colleen, wants to know, how might you suggest adjusting a whole food plant-based diet if you have both type 2 diabetes and chronic kidney disease? Well, first of all, I'm sorry to hear that you're, you're dealing with those things if you are. And uh, secondly, the diet change that you're looking at here is exactly the diet that you want to, to have. No animal products at all. That avoids all the animal fat um, and keep oils really low. When there's not much fat in your diet, then something happens in your muscle and liver cells. The fat that's building up inside your muscle and liver cells starts to dissipate too. When that happens, those cells, the muscle and liver cells, can start taking sugar out of the blood and it brings your blood sugar down. So, that, so amazingly, you're getting the fat out of your diet. It helps your cells to take the, the, the sugar out of your cells. So that's good. Uh, with regard to your kidneys... Animal protein is rough on your kidneys. And not only that, but um, all the things that come from an animal-based diet, high blood pressure and diabetes, that's rough on your kidneys too. So for healthy kidneys and for uh, conquering diabetes and turning it around to the extent that you can, you want to avoid animal products, keep oils really low, have lots of those four magical food groups, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, or beans. Don't forget your B12. And don't forget to see your doctor. Um, doctors may not know a lot about nutrition, but they can monitor your progress along the way. And our final question today comes to us from Jesse, who writes, for painful menstrual cramps, I read your book, Your Body in Balance, and you recommend a low-fat diet. How low is low-fat, and should I eliminate all nuts and seeds? It, uh, first of all, thank you for looking at your body in balance. Um, I guess I wrote that book for you, because a lot of women have... Well, many women have menstrual pain, but maybe one in 10 has it where it's really kind of off the scale, can't function, can't get to work today. And then at the other end of the reproductive years at menopause, there are hot flashes, which are super common too. And, and in your body and balance, we're describing how those and many other conditions can be often dramatically changed by, by diet changes. So what about fat? Um, I, as I mentioned in that book, if you bring fat down, your estrogen levels will come down in a really gentle and healthful way. And for many women, that's the answer to their menstrual pain or endometriosis. If you um, have lots of vegetables and fruits and whole grains and beans, but you don't add any fat at all, you're not adding cooking oils and you're not adding, say, nuts or avocados, the oily foods, your diet's going to be around maybe eight or 10% fat. And that's more than enough. That's you've got the healthy fats you need. You don't have the excess. And so that's what I would do. Um, I would do that for now. Do that for about two full cycles. Uh, a cycle is first day of your menstrual period to the next one. And then the next one, two full cycles, do this diet the way I described, no animal products, keep oils to an absolute bare minimum or zero ideally, and see if your pain doesn't improve. 
um, and let us know what happens. If you jump back in with us here in the exam room, let us know uh, the results are getting. We actually have one more question today, and it's one that comes to us from Eli. And Eli needs a little bit of help with his school project. And I thought that his question was so good that everyone should hear it. Not just the people in his classroom, not just his classmates, but the tens of thousands of people who download and listen to the exam room and raise their health IQs in more than a hundred countries around the world. That is how good Eli's question is. So here is the email that we received from Eli. He writes, I'm 11 years old and am doing a school project and I've decided to do the topic on why being vegan is good for you. So if you could reply to this email with something that I could say on my podcast or maybe send an audio clip, I will shout you out. Thanks. <laughs> so this is for his fifth grade project and the fact that Eli is doing his own podcast Dude, you are amazing, Eli. So, of course, we're going to give you an audio clip. So, your question, why is being vegan so good for you? Well, there are so many reasons, as I see it. Did you know that three out of four people in the U.S. are overweight? But a vegan diet can really help them lose that weight. And not just that. A vegan diet can also help to lower blood pressure and cholesterol, which can help their heartbeat a little bit easier. It can also lower the risk of cancer and lower the risk of Alzheimer's disease for when you get older. It gives you more energy and it's good for animals and the environment as well. <laughs> and you know, the animals really love it when people eat a vegan diet. But for me... It's really all about weight. I lost 280 pounds and always thought that I would put that weight back on someday, just like I had done every other time I had gone on a diet. But with this, by eating the plant-based diet or a vegan diet, because there's so much less fat in it and so many fewer calories, I don't have to worry about gaining the weight back anymore. Plus, it really helps me to get all of the vitamins and nutrients that I need to stay healthy. And like a lot of other families out there, my family also has trouble with their heart. And eating this way can not only help to prevent heart disease and keep them with a healthy heart, in some instances, studies have shown that eating a vegan diet can even reverse heart disease. And another one of my favorite reasons is that there was this really big study. I mean, enormous study. We're talking more than 70,000 people were involved in this study. Just huge. And what doctors found was that of those 70,000 people, the ones who ate a vegan diet tended to live longer lives. According to this study, we're talking it could be anywhere between 10 years for men and 6 years for women. Now, women naturally seem to live longer anyway, so adding 6 years on top of that, that's pretty cool. 
Now take a second to think about all of the stuff that you can do in 10 years, in six years. I mean, you can do so much. That's so much time. Who wouldn't want that, right? So there are a lot of great benefits that come with eating a vegan diet. And those are just a few of my favorites that I wanted to share with you. So Eli, I hope that that helps you out. And my friend, please feel free to send in a question anytime. You are always welcome to take part in the exam room, my friend. Speaking of which, you can too, by the way. You can send me your question on Twitter or Instagram, at Chuck Carroll, WLC. Just make sure that when you send in that question, you use the hashtag exam room live. Or you can join us Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, over on the Physicians Committee's YouTube channel and Facebook page. Watch us live and ask the experts your question right then and right there. But truth be told, we couldn't do this live show or this podcast without the help of some amazing people, including the incredible Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund. The work that they do is just second to none. It's so phenomenal. And the fund is born out of the love and the passion that Greg Ryder had for animals. And today it is being used to support organizations like the Physicians Committee that share that same passion, that same love that Greg had through animal rescue efforts and promoting a vegan lifestyle and even wildlife conservation efforts. They do a lot. So visit GregoryWriterFund.org. That's GregoryWriter, R-E-I-T-E-R, Fund.org. And you can learn more about Greg's incredible story and about animal issues. And while you're there, also subscribe to the fund's newsletter so you can keep up with everything that they're doing. And goodness gracious, is it ever a lot. So head over to that website and you can find a link to that right now in the episode notes. And one last thing for you today. There's one more thing that we need your help with. We need for you to join with us to help save lives and prevent so many of these diseases that we talk about on this very show. We need to get this information to those who need it the most, those who really need to take charge of their health. And they want to do it, but they just don't know how. So let's help get them the information they need to live a longer and healthier life. And one of the easiest ways that you can help us out with that is just by subscribing to the Exam Room Podcast by the Physicians Committee on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever shows are available. And when you subscribe, please also leave a five-star rating because every new subscription and five-star rating helps us climb just a little bit higher in the podcast rankings. And the higher we climb, the easier it becomes for people who need this information to find it. So let's help to save some lives. Let's join together to make the world a healthier place. And that's going to do it for us today. I want to say thank you one more time to Dr. Neil Barnard for joining us on the exam room live. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always... Keep it plant-based. <laughs>